So as Rob mentioned, do keep your Bibles opened to John chapter 10. We will um, go from verse 11. But uh, just uh, before we do that, let me just quickly pray for us again, and then we will crack on. Let me pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would speak. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, you would uh, make your text clear. Help me, Lord, as I speak, and um, help each of us as we uh, listen to your to your words being spoken. Amen. Amen. As we look at this text, the, the, the question that comes to my mind is this. What makes a good leader? What is it that makes a good leader? I don't know if you ask that question. What makes a good leader? Or maybe the question is too broad and... Uh, We need to think about it a bit closer to us. And you might ask yourself, for those of you who are wanting to start their own thing, you know, maybe start their own business or are looking for that job promotion, you might ask, what is it that makes a good boss? What is it that makes a good boss? Or um, if you think of church, for example, if you are in church leadership, Uh, or you are looking to maybe join church leadership or something like that, or, you know, just thinking in general, what is it that makes a good church leader? Lots of churches in Dagnam, they're looking for church leaders at the moment, and it's a relevant question. What is it that makes a good church leader? Or perhaps in the context of the home, you're considering this question in your own home, and you're thinking, what is it that makes a good husband or a good father? Or a parent? It's an important question, and it's a question that I don't think we ask enough, actually. What is it that makes a good leader? And today we will be looking to answer this question as we look at Jesus, who points to himself as the good leader whom we should follow. Or in his own words, he says, I am the good shepherd. We will look at the text in front of us so that we can answer that question. What makes a good leader? And if you have been uh, joining us in the I am statements, as Rob already mentioned, we did look at the passage just before this where Jesus says that he is the door. Okay, so we will pick it up from where we left off from there. And let's uh, have a quick look at verse 11 again. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I don't know if you wonder, if uh, why is it that uh, Jesus calls himself shepherd? Of course, he uses other terms to refer to himself, not just shepherd. For example, um, he asked Peter at one point, he says, who do you say I am? And uh, Peter says, you are the Christ, or the Messiah, or in other words, you are the king. It's another title for the word king. But in this context, Jesus uses the word shepherd, okay? And that really relates to um, the passage that uh, was before in chapter 9, because he's talking to the Jewish leaders, okay? He's talking against the leaders who, if you remember in the story in chapter 9, when we had this, um, when we had the sermon on the I am the door, the um, Jesus healed this blind man. Okay, he heals this blind man, 
He restores his sight. And uh, the Jewish leaders were just like, oh, I can't believe this Jesus healing this person on the Sabbath day. They interrogate him and then they throw him out of the synagogue. Okay, so that was what the Jewish leaders were like. And Jesus is speaking these words against them. And he's saying, I am the good shepherd who lays my life down for the sheep. For the Jews, when Jesus said this, they knew exactly what, was, uh, what Jesus was claiming. When he says, I am the good shepherd, they knew exactly what Jesus was claiming. Because firstly, shepherd leadership or shepherd leaders are very much part and parcel of Israel's history. The founding fathers of their nation were shepherds by occupation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the people who founded the nation of Israel were shepherds by occupation. The one, the Jewish leaders regarded as the best prophet of the Old Testament, which is Moses that they like to refer to, was a shepherd before God called him to become a prophet. And the greatest king of the Old Testament, King David, was also a shepherd before he became a warrior king. And so this idea of shepherds being leaders in the people of Israel was a common thing to them. However, there is something a bit more specific than that, actually, that I think that those Jewish leaders would remember if Jesus said those words, I am the good shepherd. And that passage is in Ezekiel Chapter 34 in the Old Testament. Um, it's, it's slightly lengthy, but I think it's worth reading, actually. Because you will know exactly what I mean. You don't need to be Jewish to see that Jesus is pointing to this text. But uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you go to Ezekiel chapter 34, we will read it together. And you will notice straight away that there is like an overlap here. From, from the top, from verse 1, I will read, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherd feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and, and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd and because my shepherd have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherd feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, 
that they may not be food for them. So that's the proclamation of judgment. But but look with me again as we keep reading. And um, you see what, what God says as a, uh, as a looking forward promise. From verse 11, he says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seek out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their glazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And then God talks to the sheep themselves from verse 17 onwards. Okay? And then we jump, if we go to verse um, 22. He says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And verse 23, he says, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. See, I told you, didn't I? You don't need to be Jewish to see the resemblance of the text and see the seriousness of Jesus's words. These Jewish leaders, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Okay, When he says, I am the good shepherd, they knew exactly what he is talking about. And we just read one passage. There's actually other passages that relate to sheep and shepherd motif. But Ezekiel 34, I think, is the clearest. And so in Ezekiel 34, God criticizes, as you saw, the leaders of the people during that time. And he says that he will come to shepherd his people and he will set up David to be the one shepherd to rule them all. And Israel's leaders during that time, really, if you compare them to how they were treating the people in Jesus' day, they were no different, right? They were no different. They were throwing people out of synagogues as and when they pleased. That's why the parents of the blind man were scared to answer them because they they were scared to be thrown out. And God criticizes their harshness towards their people, how they failed to feed their sheep, how they failed to strengthen the weak, how they failed to care for the injured, how they failed to seek and save the lost. And he reminds them that God plans to remove them and shepherd his own people. And then God says he himself will seek and save the lost. He himself will bound up the injured. He himself will uh, strengthen the weak. And then he will set up a shepherd for all of the sheep, a shepherd like David, okay? Like a human being, like a shepherd king. And as we go back to our text in John 10, we see Jesus doing the same thing. 
He criticizes the leaders by calling them thieves and robbers. Okay? And then he says, I am the good shepherd. In those very few words, Jesus managed to claim both God and David. Yeah? So he says, I am. And he says, good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus claims to be both the God who rescues and the David who will gather all the flock and shepherd them. So that's the heart, really, of the context, you know, of the passage. But um, hopefully that was helpful. But let's go back to that initial question, because you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, what, how does that relate to being a good leader? What makes a good leader? And before we look at what makes a good leader, which is the, the passage where Jesus describes himself, Jesus talks about a hired hand first. And sometimes... For us to really understand what it is that uh, makes good leadership, sometimes it's good and helpful to see actually what what a bad one looks like, right? So um, let's let's have a look at what a bad one looks like. Firstly, Jesus already called them thieves and robbers on verse eight, but from verse eleven, let's pick it up from verse twelve. Okay, verse twelve and thirteen, Jesus says this. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is saying that the Jewish leaders or bad leaders are like hired hands. What does that mean exactly? Hired hands. Bad leaders are like hired hands. As in, they do not take ownership. Yeah? They do not take ownership. They don't care because they don't own the sheep. Okay? They run away at the first sign of trouble and they allow the sheep to be scattered and snatched by wolves. Now, Many of you will recognize this bad trait of leadership, isn't it? Many of you have uh, lived long enough to see this happen. Maybe in the world of work, you know, in, 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 in the place that you work in, the organization you work for, you know, when trouble comes, you know, the people in um, management roles, the people who are meant to be the leaders of that organization, you know, they were the first ones to see trouble coming. Then you just notice that all of a sudden they're leaving, right? They are leaving before the ship sinks, so to speak. They are the first one to go, you know, forget the people, forget the company. They need to look after number one, right? Or perhaps in family life, you have seen this in marriages where maybe financial trouble hits that marriage and there's just not enough money and they forget their vows this idea of for richer or for poorer they say I didn't sign up to this you know I'm out or fathers leaving their children fatherless for one reason or another 
Bad leaders are like hard hands. They do not take ownership of the problem. Not only do they fail to take ownership of the problem, but bad leaders are also cowards. Okay? They run away quickly when trouble comes because they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to take the risk of fighting wolves. They might get hurt. You ask many men who run away from their responsibilities and usually they come up with the same answers. I just didn't want to get hurt. Or the rehash of that version is, I didn't want to get hurt or it was too hard. You know, it was too hard. So they give up. So they run away. Not realizing that by running away, From the problem, they leave the people they are supposed to protect, exposed. And then people come and harass them and take advantage of their people. And Jesus puts it plainly that bad leaders simply don't care. Those entrusted to them are not worth protecting for and fighting for, and so they run away. And this is the context that Jesus, Jesus enters into as he enters the land of Judah during his time. But quite frankly, this is the context that Jesus enters into as he enters our world that is filled with brokenness because of bad leadership. Children that are left fatherless, wives abandoned by their husbands, people that are now in poverty because of corrupt leaders... Christians who don't even like church anymore because of their experience of harsh and neglectful church leadership. The world is a mess because those who are meant to lead fail to lead, leaving their people exposed to be snatched and scattered by wolves. To many, it is hard to look at this text without feeling some pain or shame. The wounds of experiencing bad leadership are still fresh as if it happened only yesterday. Maybe you trusted someone who was meant to care for you, but they left you. Or maybe you promised to care for someone, to protect them, and to fight for them, but you left. It is hard to look at this text without feeling some pain. Or some shame. And at this, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus wants us to look to him and follow him. If you have been failed by a leader, look to Jesus. He will never leave you or forsake you. If you are a failed leader, look to Jesus. You cannot be a good leader if you don't follow the good leader. How will you know, right? Look to Jesus. He is the one we should be following. And so if we want to know what makes a good leader, then we should look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. So let's, let's look back again to the text and see what uh, Jesus has to say for himself. What is it that makes Jesus such a great leader? What is it that makes Jesus a good leader? I think there are three things here that I want to highlight, which is firstly, one is on verse 14. Jesus says, 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own knows me. So he says, I am a leader who knows his people well. Okay. And then the second one, which is probably the main one that uh, we will be looking at, is this repeated phrase. If you now look down in verse 15, Jesus says that just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is a leader who is willing to die for his people. He's a sacrificial leader. And we see that phrase repeated on verse 11. You see that on verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then we read verse 15 and then verse 17 again. He says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And then on verse 18, he says, I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus is a leader who is willing to die for his people. Okay. And then thirdly, a smaller point is on verse 18. He says on verse 18, I have authority to lay it down and take it up again. Jesus is a leader who is authorized, yeah, so to speak, to do the job. Jesus is an authorized leader. So let's have a look at that first reason. Jesus is a leader who knows his people well. Jesus is a leader who knows his people well. And again, let's pick it up on verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know the queen? Right. Do you know the queen? And uh, maybe some of us will say, yeah, sure, we know the queen, right? Because she does her Christmas message every year. She does her Christmas message every year. And, you know, she says a bunch of stuff. I don't want to slag the queen off because I actually like the queen. And uh, it's actually also against the law if you slag the queen off, you know. So I, I, do, I do like the queen because I know this is being recorded, you know. Uh, and uh, also, you know, you see her often on parades or whatnot, you know, with her signature move. You know, she does her queen wave. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's brilliant. I mean, I think she's great. I think the queen is great uh, for the record. Um, but the more important question is this. Does the queen know you? Right. Does the queen know you? Jesus says that he is not some type of distant leader. Jesus says that he knows you. I don't know if you've ever seen that Mr. and Mrs. Game Show program. But, you know, you get the idea, right? The husband and wife comes into the program and um, let's say Gemma and I went there and Gemma goes to the booth she has her headphones on and blindfolds, and they ask me a bunch of questions about what would Gemma do or what would Gemma choose or whatnot. And uh, for example, they might ask, what's Gemma's favorite color? And then I will say pink, right? And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, eventually she'll come out and then they will ask Gemma, Gemma, what's your favorite color? And then uh, maybe she will say pink. Then, you know, and we'll be like, yeah, we know each other so well, right? Because we're a couple. But uh, often enough, I don't know, um, Gemma's favorite color, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not pink. And, uh, 
And I think that's, that's the point, right? And then you realize that even husband and wives who sleep on the same bed, actually, they knew very little of each other. And Jesus says that, you know, it's not like that. You know, he knows us even much more deeply than husbands and wives know each other. He knows us than the person who is sleeping next to you or you live with or who raised you. Yeah, that's how well Jesus knows us because he says he knows us just as he knows the father and the father knows him. You know, if you ever had that privilege of just going through the, the, the gospel of John, you will notice this. You know, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I do what my Father tells me. And, you know, the Father, you know, glorifies me. So it's, it's, it, they are totally in sync, yeah? It's like, it's like they have the same mind, you know, which they, but they're a different person, but they're totally in sync. It's, you know, if you're, if you're a sports person, you're watching those Olympics program of those synchronized diving, right? They are totally in sync. Every millisecond counts. And that's what Jesus is like with his father. They are totally in sync. They know each other so, so, so well. And Jesus says that he knows you like he knows his father. He knows everything about you. He knows the move you're about to make. He knows the move that you make. He knows the good, the bad, and even the ugly. He knows your past sins, the story about your scars. He knows your current struggles. And he knows that future that's getting you worried and keeping you up at night. He knows everything about you. And isn't that such a wonderful trait of a good leader? He knows everything about you. The queen of this country might not know you by name, but guess what? The king of the universe does. Isn't that amazing that Jesus says he knows you? This is the king who is much more wealthier than the queen. This is the king who said, let there be light. This is the king who created heaven and earth, to whom all things belong. And this is the king to whom one day every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. He owns everything. And yet he looks at you, no matter how small you think you are. And he says, I know you. I know your name. Isn't that amazing? First part of the statement is this, I know my own. Jesus says, I know my own. The second part of that statement on verse 14 is this, and my own know me. Mm -hmm. And here's my question for you. Do you know Jesus? 
And I'm not talking about, do you know Jesus? Like, do you know the queen? You know, like you watch, him, watch her on TV or listen to her speak. No, I'm saying, do you know Jesus? Do you know the peace that he gives to you? Because he is there. Do you know the safety of his protection? Do you know the joy of being led by Jesus as he leads you to quiet waters and greener pastures? If you know Jesus, praise God, you know, praise God, because where would we be without him, right? Where would he, where would we be? All that life struggles that we had, you know, where would we be? We wouldn't be here by now, you know. If Jesus was not with us. But some of us, maybe it's, it's quite hard. You know, you know, and if you do not yet follow Jesus and you don't know Jesus, Jesus is calling out to you. Calling out your name. And he says, come and follow me. Those of you who are tired and weary of this bad leadership. People who keep letting you down, come to me, those of you who are alone and broken. Come to me, those of you who have failed and are now defeated. You might not think that no one cares for you, you know, but Jesus does. And he wants to take time and You know, bind up those wounds and give you rest. He is the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I will lay my life down for you. And that's the second reason that I want us to look at. What is it that makes Jesus such a great leader? The repeated phrase, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Not only does he know you intimately, he also wants to protect you. And he says he is willing to die for you. That's a good trait of a good leader, isn't it? A leader who is willing to, to, to risk his life because his people are worth fighting and dying for. The best leaders are always like that. They're willing to risk their life Because their people are worth fighting and dying for. And Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to me. And maybe that is you this afternoon. You might say to yourself, no, that's not me. I'm not that innocent sheep, you know. I, I've, 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 I've done my time, you know. I made my mistakes. That, that ain't me, you know. No one, no one cares for like... Like somebody like me. And maybe you think, you know what, Jesus, you're 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 better off, you know, for with those other sheep, you know, those guys who made better decisions in life, you know. Don't bother with me. I made my life choices and it didn't work out. There are better people there who made better decisions. You should reward them instead. Forget about me, Lord. And Jesus says no. And that's 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 the that's the beauty of 
of the gospel message because Jesus didn't die for innocent sheep. Jesus went to seek and save the lost, those sheep who went off and done their own thing, their own way. And they left the pen and they decided, no God, you know, I don't, this whole God thing is not for me. And they decide to do their own thing, their own way. The gospel message is not for the people who live perfect lives, who want to be rewarded because they did such a beautiful job. The gospel message is for those sheep who went their own way. And now they're lost and they're like, Lord, I don't know how to return. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And I need somebody to to rescue me. I'm lost and I don't know how to navigate this life. And you're just hoping and praying for a leader that can rescue you and lead you. And Jesus saying, I am that leader. I am the good shepherd who will lay my life down for you. Even if you are sinful. Even if you messed up. I will seek for you. And I will go down there and get you. And perhaps some, some will even say, no, Jesus, no. You don't understand. I'm beyond that innocent sheep or that sinful sheep. I'm that hired hand. I'm that hired hand who failed to be that leader. I'm the one who ran away. I'm the one who left. And there is this beautiful story in the Bible about Peter, the apostle Peter, who did exactly the same thing. He ran away because he was scared. He was like a hired hand. But Jesus restored him. And Jesus said to him, you feed my sheep. That's amazing, isn't it? Jesus says, I'm willing to die for you, even if you're a failure. And guess what? He does die for his sheep, including the failed ones. And he dies for them, and he restores them. And he is telling you, if you are looking for Jesus, he is saying, you know what? Turn to me. I'm that good shepherd. I will lead you. I will lead you. And this is a true story if you have not heard it before. This is the message that we proclaim here at church. That Jesus died for your sins. So that you can start again. That is the message that we proclaim. Jesus died for your sins so that you can start again. All the past mistakes he wipes clean and he gives you a fresh start in life. That dirty little skinny sheep, you know, who went off doing his own thing. Jesus takes you, he scrubs you clean and he marks you with his blood. And he says, this is mine. And no one can take this sheep away from me. This is my sheep. And everything else and everyone else who sees the mark of Jesus on you, they can't touch you. He says to death, no, that sheep is mine. That sheep 
will graze on that good grass and drink that good water. You can't touch that sheep. Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. He died so that we can be forgiven. And the final point that I want to highlight is a small one in verse 18. Verse 18, where Jesus says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus has the authority to lay it down and take it up again. To point the obvious, to lay it down refers to Jesus dying on the cross, and to take it up again refers to his resurrection. The word I want to highlight here is the word authority because that is another trait of a good leader you know um, sometimes we can be quite stubborn isn't it and we say yeah no we don't need that Jesus guy you know I can do it all by myself well the point is that Jesus is authorized and you're not right to 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 be quite blunt Jesus is authorized and you're not a good leader is is authorized yeah And you might ask, authorized by who? Authorized by God, of course, right? Jesus says this, this charge I receive from my father. He says that in verse 18, this charge I receive from my father. He is qualified by God. In the history of the world, many leaders actually have died for their people. I'm sure you know that, right? Many people have died for their people with good intention, but their efforts never really made a lasting impact. Even the best leaders we can think of who died for their people, they never made a lasting impact. Because the answer is, the truth is, good intention is not enough. Yeah? Good intention is not enough. You might think you can save your family. You might think you can save your friends. You might think you can save yourself. You can't. Because you're not authorized to do that. And... The point is that even well-intentioned people, how good your intention is, it's just not enough. Only Jesus can save. And that's why we should follow him. He's the only one qualified by God to do this stuff. Okay, He's the only one qualified by God to do this stuff. All the good guys, they might think Buddha is good, Gandhi is good, Mandela is good, this and that guru is good, Churchill is good, whoever makes your good leaders list. They're just not good enough, unfortunately. Only Jesus is authorized. And we know that because he rose from the dead. He resurrected from the dead to show that he is authorized by God. He defeated death. Everybody else are dead or will die or will remain dead. Now, to summarize then and to answer the question in the beginning, a good leader is someone who like Jesus, knows their people well, someone who is willing to die for their people, someone who is authorized by God to do the job. And while there is wisdom in knowing what a good leader looks like, I hope that you see the bigger picture here, right? That Jesus is the good leader we should follow. He's the one who knows us and cares for us. He's the one who willingly died for us to protect us from the consequences of sin and death. He's the only person authorized and qualified and approved by God to lead us into eternity. And that's why he is the good leader that we should follow. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, again for Jesus who came down, who, um, you know, who he laid down his life for us so that we can have a life that is abundant. Amen.